We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome to the BearCast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Indeed, Pepsi, and Bet Online. Enjoy the episode, Cal fans. And welcome back to another episode of the Golden BearCast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Today is an episode of The Wrap. Uh, we are going over the Cal-Oregon State game. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob Huang, alongside me, of course, the best friend, Andy Johnston, and we have a special guest today of Drew H, is, is what he wrote in his in his bio. Uh, but yeah, Drew is here. We're going to be, he wanted to come on and talk. Him and Andy had a bit of a heated discussion on our Slack channel, so I wanted to get Drew on to, to talk his side and get all of that on a recorded platform, so it'll be forever on the internet. That's pretty much why I wanted him on here. It'll be forever enshrined in the Golden Bear cast channels. But good evening, gentlemen. Um, how are you guys doing? This is the Battle of the Andrews. I hope you understand <laughs> that, Rob. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, got, we got pretty heated on the Slack channel, so I'm, I'm ready to settle it. <laughs> Friday Night Smackdown, Al football style. Welcome. Both abbreviated Andrews here and ready to battle it out. Yes, the front half of Andrew and the back half of Andrew. Who wins that battle? It'll be more tame than the Slack channel. I think we were just grumpy after the loss. I hate losing to Oregon State. I feel like that's my resting heart rate. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For those that don't know, uh, Drew is a new staff writer on Right for California. Um, He has joined us fairly recently and is doing some football stuff for us. Um, And yeah. Um, our Slack channel is definitely something to to be a part of uh, on game days, post and pre games. So, with that, um, I don't want to delay any longer, man. Let's let's get right to it. Let's start talking about Cal Oregon State. 
So I'll go over the basics and then we'll we'll run through the game and give our talks and, and our pointers and, and certain other things. So let's go. Cal plays Oregon State on November 21st. It's our first uh, second away game. Still have not had a home game in Berkeley yet. The Bears visit Reister Stadium out in Corvallis. Lose to the Beavers 31 to 27. The Bears actually took a very hefty uh, first half lead, 20 to 14. And it seemed like the Bears had it in hand, but the Beavers came screaming back in the second half. And the Bears couldn't, or the Beavers came screaming back, and the Bears could not stave off the onslaught, which was the second half of the game. So we got some basic stats for you. Net rushing yards, the Bears 124, Oregon State 205. They had an average of 6.8 yards per carry. We'll talk about the the rushing stuff later. And the Bears with 3.3 passing uh chase for uh, chase forced chase garbers 28 of 43 for two interceptions um and 315 yards tristan gebbia 13 of 21 with two interceptions and 155 yards uh chase also had 11.2 per completion 7.3 per attempt gebbia had 11.9 per completion and 7.4 per attempt so pretty similar but chase had three passing touchdowns to gebbia's two uh, in terms of receiving, Kiko Crawford, of course, had an awesome, awesome day. He had 10 receptions for 141 yards and a touchdown. Granted, I believe seven of those receptions came in the first half. So, you know, uh, adjustments. For Oregon State, their their big player was, of course, Jamar Jefferson, who I still believe is the best running back in the conference. Uh, 196 total yards and one touchdown with a long of 75, which was on their very first play of the entire game so uh yeah that's all for the offense some of the defensive stats cam good let the bears led the bears with seven tackles half a sack and two 2.5 tackles for loss elijah hicks right behind him with six tackles one interception and a return for 30 yards the other probably big uh stat guy was brett johnson three tackles half a sack half a tackle for loss on the day uh, on the other end Oregon State, the Bears kept uh, Hamilcar Rashid Jr. pretty much at bay for the entire game. Their leading tacklers were tied with Omar Spates and Avery Roberts, both at 10 apiece. Omar Spates with one sack and two tackles for loss to his 10, t- 10 tackles, and Avery Roberts with a half a sack and two tackles for loss to his total on the day. And that is pretty much it from the stats perspective. Um, Andy, do you have some opening thoughts to this game? Sure. Yeah. So I, the game very much was one of those that I, I think we talked about this last week. I was like, this is a fun season to not care. And then in the middle of this game, I was like, damn it, I care. And that was unfortunate, <laughs> especially given the outcome. I think that you got the sense that Cal was keeping them in it, so to speak. And I sort of felt like at, at half, we should have been up, you know, 20, uh, 27. I can't remember what it was at half. Um, 27, 20 13, I think, right? Yeah. 20 to, like it was 20 to 14. So it's 20 to 14 and a half. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I was thinking we should have been up 27 to 14. Right. 
I mean, let's just start at the beginning of the game because we talk about the ridiculousness that is Cal football this year. One, I was just looking at the schedule. First of all, it reads canceled, canceled. Then we get whooped by UCLA, and then we have this game against Oregon State. And on top of it, we're already sans three starting offensive linemen going into this football game. And then arguably our offense is most critical player out that's not named Chase Garbers, which would be Chris Brown Jr. And you're now you know, thoroughly behind the eight ball already. And, you know, we, we have all the other madness that's happened to Cal this season. So it was already kind of like one of those things where we came in, I think it was anyone's guess regarding what could happen or what could be. And in large part, the result in the first half was better, you know, outside of the first play of the game, which was like, holy goodness, we might be terrible. The, you know, for the first half, Cal rallied back the second quarter. We dominated the second quarter. Like everything started to look good. And then, you just got the sense that it was a little too close and there were missed opportunities and missed opportunities galore. And it just sort of felt like one of those things where we were keeping in an opponent that had been in close games. And, uh, you know, they were super hungry for their first win this year. And, and, you know, as were we, so I left annoyed. I think I just kept going back between like being annoyed, which is what I text you. I'm like, this is pretty annoying. And then I was like, okay, this is pretty fun. Like this is entertaining. And then I went back to like, this is pretty annoying again. And then I was like, oh, but it was entertaining. And then so I left that night kind of being like, that was a really nice blend of annoying and entertaining. (laughs) Drew, what about you? I mean, you know, it it was a weird game for sure. I mean, kind of like Andy said, you know, classic Cal-Oregon State game where Oregon State just wins in the most annoying way possible. Um, I mean – I'm pretty proud of the offense. Um, you know, they were put in an extremely tough position. I mean, three out of five alignment to begin the game out, and then you lose to fell. You have Chris Brown out. Um, then you have the starting tight, tight end out. So, you know, going into it, I was pretty nervous. But, I mean, they put up some pretty great stats. I mean, Chase Garbers kind of showed, you know, what he could do and lived up to the preseason hype. Um you know, I think people were upset with the second half play calling. Um, I wish we hadn't abandoned the deep ball kind of like we uh, did in the first half. I felt like that kept the defensive honest. Um, you know, this is where the debate comes in, though. I- I'm a little bit worried about the defense. Um, I'm not worried about the personnel. I feel like we have the players um, to have an elite defense. I know that we lost a ton of guys to the NFL. And I mean, that's college football. But, you know, it just seems like our players aren't in the right spots. And I feel like that's a scheme um, and a play calling issue, but I mean, all in, it was a weird game. It's 2020. Um, But I think you have to look more closely at the defense than the offense personally. Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, go ahead, Rob. No, no. I mean, I was just going to read out uh, like the, I forgot to to mention the, the string of events that happened pregame, right? So Cal football puts out this statement at 10.30 a.m. on game day that says one of the members of the Cal football program has tested positive for COVID-19 through his regularly scheduled PCR test. As a result of contact tracing, several student-athletes have been placed in quarantine. Already red alerts at this point, right? We're like, who who is missing? But clearly because they had not canceled the game, it mean, it. I think those of us who handled what happened uh, the prior week knew, okay, this isn't a full position group. Because if it was, if it had knocked down an entire position group, like an offensive line or defensive line or quarterback's room, like they would have had to cancel this game and they would have already done so. But because it's, it doesn't, it, 
They didn't say that. It sounded like, okay, it's just a couple guys that did it and they had to quarantine. Then uh, I believe it was Wilcox in the pregame show on KNBR said that Will Craig, Jake Curhan, and Valentino Daltoso would be out for this game and would not play. And we're like, oh, okay, well, then, then clearly the bug has hit the offensive line now after hitting the defensive line two weeks ago. But it was only these three guys, right? Every other offensive lineman we had on the roster did play. So <laughs> we we thought that was okay until Cal Football PR, their Twitter account that like handles all of these like little news bits. 12, 16 p.m., literally 14 minutes before kickoff, players not available for today's game at Oregon State who are on the depth chart, which is like a – it's not – it's more than a two deep, but it's pretty much two deep. His offensive line, Will Craig, offensive line, Jake Curhan, offensive line, Valentino Deltoso, all guys we already knew. Then tight end Colin Moore, who is on the two deep. Offense, uh, outside linebacker Braxton Croto, who is on the two deep. Running back Chris Brown, who is our starter. And nose guard Stanley McKenzie. We had already lost nose guard Aaron Maldonado to this, to the, for the, to a season ending injury. Uh, I believe he said lower body was the, the cause. And so we were already down a nose guard. And then Stanley, who we kind of hoped would play this week, uh, is not playing. But it didn't seem like that was uh, didn't seem like it was a long-term injury. So hopefully he gets to play this week. But that means that on game day, or at least close to it, they had to switch Britt Johnson back to nose guard from prepping him to play defensive end all, his, all preseason long. Um, including the fact that we didn't have our defensive lineman practice for two weeks with the team, right? They practiced separately after we found out after the fact. So all this happens, and then we kick off at twelve thirty. It it was it was bad omens everywhere. <laughs> like there was there was not an inkling of good news leading up to kickoff. But yeah, Andy, go ahead. That sets the stage really well, Cal football <laughs> baby. So. So yeah, that's that was the pretense. The game itself, I you know just to echo and to kind of build on what Drew said, I, I think it was rather frustrating because you got to see, arguably in my opinion, the best f- first half of football that I've seen Chase Garbers play. He was like nearly perfect, and just and then Kukoa just true breakout game for Kakoa Crawford too. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then Makai, man, Makai is so good. I love Makai Polk. So it was just a lot. There were a lot of bright spots on the offensive side of the football, a lot of signs that it was going to be very similar to UCLA. You know, it was like we erased that notion very quickly, drove down the field. It was like, all right, this is not going to be another game where we look like we just have no idea what's going on. So that was good and exciting. But, you know, it wasn't without its frustrations. It seemed as though the coaching staff on the offensive side of the football seemed pretty committed to calling plays that wouldn't necessarily serve you that well, given the hits that you just mentioned, Rob, on your offensive line. And you're going down four offensive linemen, then losing your start. I mean, you you lose like the starting center who we know Rob Wilcox has said is the most important position arguably on offense. Mm -hmm. So, and then, so I just continued to find myself sort of being like, all right, this is puzzling. But like, as we've said, I'm not deviating from the, hey, this is a weird season. I don't think we should make too many judgments. I'm just sort of like taking notes, you know, like somebody with a little book just writing down. Okay, there's maybe there's a scribble there at the goal line possession when we ran the ball with Shaw, who is enormous, 
but also like very vertical and didn't seem to be that fast to getting to the line of scrimmage. So I was a little puzzled. You guys are looking at me like I'm making up a name. So I'm like, oh, damn, did I get somebody's name wrong? But, no, no, uh, you, you got Shaw. You got Bradrick Shaw right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just looking at I'm just looking at some tweets right now just to figure out like the, the series of events. So I was just puzzled why we kept going power in a lot of these situations. I mean, there's nothing more puzzling than the last offensive possession before the block punt. I think that was just like old school, mid 2000 NFL play calling like to me. And it was just like, bro, like I think the sport has evolved, but see, I'm going too far. I don't (laughs) see. I just need to go back to my notebook because now I'm passing judgment. I told myself I wouldn't do that. So that was frustrating. And then I think that the ultimately like the special teams miscues, like poor Nico, I tweeted out like, dude, like, did, do you all just like not like Nico at all or something? Do you just want him to run around and be tired? <laughs> and is there something that happened in the locker room that we don't know about? Because damn, those were so exciting, such exciting plays and game changing plays would have won us the game. And they got called back all because of penalty. And then obviously the big one being the blocked punt where, it, you know, that that's probably the most inexcusable play that I've seen in a long time mm-hmm. where you have. It, what you said, Rob, is like it looks like three guys shift right and the punter's supposed to roll right. The punter stays straight and yep. you know stays and it's put. And then uh, that player is one-on-one with a guy that is now out of position on his back foot trying to block. And you're just like, all right, like who, who what the hell happened? You know? Yep. And then it's like kick it off his shoulder on top of it. It's like the freaking cherry on top of a really stupid play. So <laughs> anyways, very talking a lot here very roundabout way of coming back to what drew talking about is like look you can i'm with you you can point out maybe some things on defense you don't like but in large part i really don't have an issue with defense i have more of these specific issues with special teams in this game all right just using this game as the example i have much more issues with special teams and how we played on special teams and then specifically to some offensive play calling that took place in you know generally bits and pieces in the first half but mainly in the second half twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, and you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. And that means you should be getting ready for the big game this Friday with a nice can of Pepsi Cola. Right, Rob? Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Yeah, I mean, one thing that you touched on kind of with Nico, I mean, it's, I can't believe that those got called back, especially the first one. But, um, you know, I, I think one bright spot was he really showed off his athletic ability and playmaking ability. Um, and, you know, everyone kind of talked about it in his first two seasons. And, you know, I didn't really see it. I was kind of like, oh, he's a good route runner and a hard worker and he's pretty solid receiver. But I mean, both those returns were pretty electric. Um, and I don't think that's a dynamic that we had seen from him before. Um, I do think that in all phases of the game, probably, you know, the special teams criticism is the most warranted. Um, you know, there've been, you know, some, you know, signs of concern kind of in prior seasons. And it, it just, it blew up on Saturday. I mean, it was awful. Um, you know, the offense, I think, you know, I think Cal fans should feel fine about the offense. Um, you know, I, I saw a lot of criticism on Musgrave. Um, Musgrave has had like extraordinarily unusual circumstances in his first two games. And, you know, the whole season in general, I mean, you get no spring ball, you get limited fall camp, you know, even in a normal season, you're going to have growing pains implementing a new offense. Um, and combine that with the fact that the first game, you have less than 48 hours to prepare for a new defense. And then, oh, your second game, oh, like you're not going to have any of your starting linemen except for one by the end of the game. You're not going to have your starting running back. You know, I, I get the criticism about the play calling, but, you know, I do think that Wilcox has more influence over the offense than I think people realize. If you just – look at the trend from 2017 to last year, they've gotten considerably more conservative when he hired Baldwin. I thought that was kind of a sign that they wanted to really, you know, spread the ball out, you know, score some points and it just became more conservative. And it wasn't really the Bo Baldwin offense that we had anticipated. Um, so I think the conservative play calling, you know, I'm not convinced that that's a Bill Musgrave issue. Um, and, you know, Musgrave put them in a position to win the game. Um, you know, Garbers played really, really well, but he did miss Makai Polk in the end zone when he was wide open, um, you know, on that last drive. And if they score that, then that's 34 points, and that's more points than any game in the Pac-12 last season. So I think the offense is fine. Um, you know, we can talk more about the defense um, and Peter Sermon, because um, I just think it's an interesting topic. And, um, you know, it, the 
guys just don't seem to be in the right spots. I don't think it's a personnel issue. Um, I won't talk about UCLA because I think it's a little unfair, but, you know, Oregon State, I, I'm just a little concerned, honestly. Yeah, I think uh, we, we need to talk about how the game started too, right? Because, look, okay, let me just let me just give you that short timeline of tweets. 12.39, a tweet goes out from Cal Football PR. says, Cal wins the toss and will defer. Oregon State will receive the first half kickoff. Then at 12.44, OSU touchdown, Jefferson 75-yard run, scoring drive, one play, 75 yards, 18 seconds. <laughs> OSU 7, Cal 0, 14.42 left in the, fourth, in the first quarter. Then it goes to 12.52, Cal t- – Cal touchdown, Polk seven yard catch from Garber scoring drive, eight plays, 75 yards, four minutes and 12 seconds. Game tied, 10 30 left in the first quarter. And then it goes OSU touchdown at 109 p.m. OSU touchdown, uh, Quitoriano, 35 yard pass from Gebbia scoring drive, one play, 35 yards, nine seconds. Um, and we have given up two, two touchdowns on two plays. I believe Gebbia's uh, passer rating after his first play was like, I think on the un, unlimited scale, it was like 400 something of a QB rating, um, which is, which is just it. Yeah. Okay. I don't even want to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I think the two plays, the two initial first ones, uh, the run play, I think Hicks bit hard is what it looked like. And we it just blew wide open, and Jamar was off to the races. I don't know what happened on that second pass. I think it was just it was a miscue uh, from the safeties, and it was also that uh, the safe there should have been safety up over the top because they knew Coin Deng was going to have to cover Katoriano down the seam, and he's going to be on his back foot because he's going to have to track him only if he get, starts to get past him. And by that point, he had already been running with a full head of steam. So I think there should have been safety help over the top, which I don't know. I I need to look at the all 22 to figure out like what the safeties were being told to do on that specific play. But to be totally frank, like after those two plays, the defense did kind of clamp down for the second and third quarters. Like they, I think they played solidly. They didn't give up many, um, they settled into the game. They knew what they were doing. Everyone was a little bit more calm. Um, there wasn't that like down feeling of like we had given up two explosive plays. I think it also helped because the offense started to score points and they were like, okay, we don't, the burden doesn't need to be on us to get every single stop. Like our offense is going to make up for some of the mistakes we made. And it, it definitely felt like that. And then even, I think even up until the fourth quarter, but as Andy said, that block punt, like just, totally derailed every like good feeling that had happened so far that game. Like it was a feeling of like, okay, yeah, we might squeak out this win here just because everything is going so smoothly for us. And then we botched that punt and then they score super simply. And our offense didn't look like they could sustain another type of scoring drive like that, which they kind of did. I mean, they got down to the field. Granted, they got bailed out by a, a couple calls, but they march down the field and then that interception happens and you're kind of just like, what can you possibly do? Um, you know, I think coach Wilcox said after the game, it's like they practice to like bat those balls down. But I was like, 
I, I get that if it's like a if it's like a tip drill where it's like batted at the line and it's like floating behind into the middle linebackers. But this thing was like batted 30 feet up into the air. And there's like how like I don't know how you're supposed to bat that down when everyone is jumping up, like going for a rebound. It wasn't one of those where it was like just fumbling through the air, like somehow reaching. You're trying to slap it down as fast as possible. It was <laughs> everyone like had enough time to see the ball's location, get into a position that they thought was favorable to themselves, and then jump up into the air to try and grab with both hands. And the defensive players, the two defensive players had way better positioning than any of our guys. And then that was game set match. Um, it's weird for me to even say that we're on a two game losing streak to OSU, <laughs> but that, that is where we are um, right now. Yeah, that's what we forget, too, is that we lost last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even the uh, Oregon State guys, when I talked to them about last year's game, they're like, yeah, it's not a game we expected to win. <laughs> like, we were very surprised that we we came away with that win. And I don't know. How, I, yeah, I'm curious to hear what they have to say about this one, too. Like, what do they think about <laughs> coming off coming out with this win? Like, do they think they were going to lose? Because I just felt like it was, you know, I, I just had a bad feeling on that final drive. Um, and I said that on stream and I'm pretty sure it's still on that stream where it's like, I don't, I don't have a good feeling about this guys. Um, and lo and behold, it, it's what happened. But like the, the core, what happens is the defense comes up with a three and out where mm-hmm. they look completely OP against the Oregon state offense. Mm-hmm. Cam good is terrorizing, like Gebbia, like there's nothing. Oregon State could do nothing. Like Jamar was completely bottled up, hadn't done anything since his first run, was completely mm-hmm. contained. And they force that. We get an offensive possession. And what do we do? Two runs and a pass. Three and out, baby. Nice and fast and quick. And then we have to punt it away. And guess what? The miscue happens. And now we're on our heels. We give our offense a chance to win the game. Probably should have won the game. And But, you know, that's kind of like one of those shit happens types of, type of deal. Like, Somebody gets a hand on a ball. You know, I think that pe- that play became very predictable. The, so the end was able to jump out on that pass. We've been running that yeah, over and over again. And so they were just able to do that. So I, I still think that as you look like what you just described, Rob, is situationally how much can you really pin on this defense? So we're talking about a possession like the Oregon State taking over after – you know, the blocked punt and them scoring there, the terrible punt that we had in the first quarter that set up that 35 yard touchdown or something like that to, yep. you know, their tight end coin dude, he was there. Like he made a pretty damn good play. Like that was a nice catch. I wasn't all, all that upset about it. It was a nice ball delivered on a nice route where he like coin hit him directly at the time when the, that ball was coming in. So whether or not he had safety help, I still felt like Dang played that pretty well. I wasn't like, oh, what was that type of deal? But the first run, yeah, it was more of that. But, you know, it's just, yeah, so looking at that, it's it's just hard for me to point anything at the defense. And plus, most of our, you know, our ability to kind of take control of that game was Josh Drayden getting the interception and Elijah mm-hmm. Hicks getting that interception. And that's really what shifted the tide in the game was the takers living up to the name. So it's it's just hard for me to look at that unit and especially like let me just run through these names. So like Cam Good, Elijah Hicks, then you have 
Craig Woodson, like by the way, Elijah Hicks playing a totally new position. Then you have Evan Tattersall, Chigozi, you have Coin, Blake Antulados, Brett Johnson, Josh Drayden, Tevis, Scott. Like these aren't the players that played last season. They just, it's just, there's a lot of turnover and the expectations that we should somehow have an elite level defense every single season. Like it's just, it's not possible to reset that way. And so I think in large part, when you examine this game, I would go special teams number one and almost every facet of it. It also sort of felt like Oregon state was always going to return. Like their punt returns and kickoff returns were dangerously close to being big. So they generally had good field position. And then on top of it, you add into some of like the, the, the last position, I think the last possession of the offense that the offense had before the pick that Garber threw at the very end, like that's going to be something that people, you know, I imagine that if you're going to analyze an area, analyze why we decided to go with the cadence that we did there, given the personnel things that had happened during the game, given the success that Garbers has had through the air, why aren't we running more shotgun? Why aren't we running more, you know, plays that are opening up that part of the offense rather than, you know, our running game was averaging what? Like, I think most of our running backs were, uh, let's 3.3 yards per carry. Like Dancy, Dancy at 4.5 and the game at 4.5, Damian Moore, 2.8, uh, Garbers at 2.2, but that includes sacks and stuff. Bradrick Shaw, 0.3. So, um, yeah, I, I will say Andy though, don't, don't leave my, my dude, Dario Longhetto short. The dude hit both of his field goals. Right? That was dope. And he yeah. hit a 52-yarder. Like, 52-yarder. Like, we, we can't pin it all on the special teams because he was the one part of the special teams that was outstanding. No, yeah, he, saw, he was great. Yeah, I love me that. some Italian kickers, man. <laughs> <laughs> Giorgio Tavecchio, the Italian stallion. And now we got Dario Longhetto. I the jokes on Twitter as soon as he hit that fifty-two yarder, like you saw coming from a mile away, like everyone just saying his name isn't Longhetto for no reason, or it's not short ghetto. Like it's <laughs> you, you clearly saw it happening, but it was still fun to watch just because how of that fifty-two yarder was just I, I I was like oh yeah I'm pretty sure we're just gonna attempt this and it's you know we're just gonna go into the half. I think he nails it. And then all of us are just like, what the hell? Like jumping up, up and down into the air. We haven't had a guy who's been able to hit a 50 yarder in quite some time. It's truly awesome. It's true. I thought we were going to win at that point. Yeah. Like, uh, this game is ours. Yeah. It's in the bag. No, but the Beavers, they ate through the bag and then they de- proceeded to devour us and our hearts, like Temple of Doom style. Um, but Drew, uh, give me your give me your uh, other thoughts. Um, I guess we can, unless you have some more stuff about the offense, we can move on to the defense and the special teams. Yeah, so I think um, you know the thing with the defense is you know people kind of talk about you know well if you take the big plays out they're actually okay you know there's some low hanging fruit there with you know current events jokes about excluding things but I'll avoid that for now. Um, you know it, it still counts. It's still concerning. Um, and you know, the, the stuff in between, I mean, Oregon State was only on the field for 20 minutes. Um, so, I mean, we have a relatively small sample size of 
you know, when the defense was executing. And even then, you know, I tried to go back and watch the tape, but I couldn't access it. You know, we're just besides the end of the game where we did start getting some pressure on the quarterback, you know, he he was kind of sitting back there um, and looked a little comfortable. And there were some wide open receivers too. And, you know, this, again, this is not in my mind, a personnel thing, because when I see guys going one-on-one and really showing their ability, I'm actually pretty impressed even with the newcomers. Um, you know, a museum, the cornerback is one person that I've been impressed with that, you know, played some last season, but not a whole lot. Um, and, and, you know, it, it just seemed a little too easy for them. Like, I agree, like we're not, you know, you can expect the defense to take a step back after the last two seasons, after they were excellent. Um, and you lose that many guys to the NFL. I don't expect them to be as good as they were, but I mean, realistically, and I know Andy's going to disagree, but this is probably the worst offense we're going to face all year. Um, and, you know, Jefferson is a good running back, but I mean, their, their quarterback just isn't that great. And I know we got a couple picks, but the second one was just a really poor decision by him. Um, and, and, you know, so I think it's a, I think it's a scheme thing. I think the do plays the or the big plays do count. Um, and, you know, the in-between stuff, we got a relatively small sample size. I mean, for me, like it, it for, and I'll, I guess the, these are my closing thoughts on the offense is a lot of people had issues with the offense. And I guess it kind of leads to as a whole on, on this game is the game, <laughs> the game required two punt returns being called back, right? A two explosive plays on the very first two plays of the game for the opposing team and a trick play touchdown pass from their wide receiver to their quarterback. It took five of those things to happen for the Beavers to win by four points. Like that, that just tells you like of all of the mayhem that needed to occur for the Beavers to just squeak out this win. And so it, I think it's, it, it was clear that we were the, the better team on the field. I think we performed better, but it was, it was just those few moments that Oregon state played just enough and just well enough that they could get on the field and score. And it, it just, all of this insanity that happens not only in the year 2020 and then on this football field, like all culminated in Corvallis on this past Saturday. Like that's it. And so I think Andy, to your point, my, 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 uh, I don't know if it's a counter argument, but I would say like your, your thing about like the play calling and stuff in the offense. I don't know if it was, you said that maybe I'm blanking, but anyways, uh, I think the thing to watch out for here is watching Bo Baldwin's offense at Cal Poly, because if, if we see Bo Baldwin's offense at Cal Poly be the same as it was at Eastern Washington with like the whole spread formation and, and all that and spreading the ball around and being fast and scoring a lot of points, then I think it's I think it's good enough evidence for us to be like, okay, the Wilcox has definitely a heavier hand in the direction of the offense he wants to go. Um so I'm gonna reserve that judgment until I see that. But for now, my I don't know if it's an excuse, but my interpretation of it is just that Musgrave isn't opening up the playbook fully. And it it's clear that the playbook is opening up. It's not opening up fully, but it's opening up slowly because it's the, the play calling from 
UCLA to Oregon State was vastly different. It was night and day in considering the 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 creativity, the the play calling, the formations, the personnels. It was all things that we didn't see at UCLA that we got to see against Oregon State. And that was still with three of our starting offensive linemen out. So I got to give kudos to Angus McClure because everyone, you know, was like, why, why would you hire this guy who's not a good coach? He's a great recruiter, but he's not a good coach. He clearly had the backup guys ready to play. I, I'm not saying that I give all of the – that our offensive line's performance an A+. plus. But they were, I think I tweeted this out, and I think a lot of people agreed, is they played just a sliver above average. And if you're replacing three of your starters and all th- and three of them are backups, and then you lose a fourth one mid-game, which is your center, and you have to replace four, basically four of your starters for the rest of the game, the guys played pretty well. Um, and they, they performed exactly to the needs that they needed to. Were there mistakes? Of course. There were blown... Uh, what's it protections all over the place where they would shift left and they wouldn't pick up the block, uh, the blitzer that's coming from the right. And you'd come in, you know, un- untouched by anyone. And that happened multiple times, but chase still did enough to get away from it. And that's what you get when you have more of a veteran quarterback, right? Is that just that savvy to be able to make up for some of those mistakes that you might get with young guys on the offensive line. So yeah, long roundabout say is, I think it's still a TBD. I think two games in a season with a weird spring schedule and a fall schedule is too tough to to be judging the offense um, from a lot of the the tweets I saw from Cal fans, the very the very angry tweets. And of course, you know, there's also some you know message boards and stuff that are talking about Wilcox potentially being or uh, they want like Wilcox out or to be fired. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Like we're two games into a six-game season, like not even a twelve-game season. Like, are, is that is that really what we're going to be talking about right now? Yeah, there's no no promise that this season's even going to finish. I I mean, I hate to give even airtime to the to the people that write that stuff. To be honest, um, the the offensive line is is a good point, Rob. I think that you're probably overcrediting a little bit to Angus McClure because when I think about you know, that situation happening. I think about the philosophy of Steve Greatwood and the fact that he believed that every single offensive lineman should learn how to play every single position and that would create them better as a unit. That to me was more a reflection because of the things like no spring ball, shortened fall camp. You know, that to me felt like, okay, those guys were ready for that because of prior coaches more so than the coach himself. But Hey, like, hats off like McClure and and that was exciting mm-hmm. to see because you're right he's a dynamite recruiter and I think there's a lot of excitement there and just seeing those guys get to play uh and, and get that experience was was really solid I think anyone is anyone is fair to critique the offense but I've been really trying to hesitate to do so and I think I'm just going to go back to what Drew says like Oregon State we're going to face you know Oregon State going to be the worst offense we're going to face like I don't know man like is there anything that's scaring you about Stanford ne- next week? Cause there's not much that's scaring me about them. And then, yeah, you know, so I, I do, I do think that, um, you know, the, the next, the rest of the season is favorable. we play like, we still have Washington State on the schedule. Like, things, things aren't looking up. 
Well, you know, Stanford was actually able to move the ball against Oregon. I mean, their kicker just missed like field goal after field goal that game. And for some reason, Shaw kept trying to kick it. It made no sense to me, but he loves the kick. <laughs> it's his favorite thing. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I personally think that's last week is the worst offense we're going to face all season. I don't know about you guys. Maybe Rob, you can, you can be the voice of reason. How good do you think Oregon State's offense is? I don't know if the, I don't know if they're the worst offense that we'll face. Um, I think Stanford's making a very good argument for that as well. But I think the the middle ground argument to be made here, if I'm going to play that role of Lady Justice being blindfolded, is that um, Oregon State might not be as bad as we think. They might not be. They might not be like amazing, but they might not be at the very bottom of the barrel. Um, yeah. Definitely not. Not not to the extent of what Colorado's doing. Like that's a totally different argument. But you know, just one of those things where they're they're doing enough to win games and they have talent there um to do so. So I I will but have I mean, to watch more Oregon State games, but I, I don't know if I'll watch any more Oregon State games. But to be fair, like, you know, they have they have talent like at you know the skill positions, right? Like Tyjon Lindsay is a was a highly, highly sought after recruit coming out of high school. Jamar Jefferson is, as I said, I think he's the best running back in the conference. And then they have some guys. I mean, we didn't really get to see Hamilcar, but I think they were kind of running and playing away from Hamilcar. So it kind of helped that we didn't see him. But yeah, I think they have some guys at the skill positions to do so. Well, I mean, you know, Oregon State against Washington. I mean, they only had 250 yards. I think they threw for 85. I mean, I'm not expecting, you know, with all the players we lost for Cal to do something similar, but, you know, I think we'd be, we should be striving more for that. I mean, we can't be at the standard where we shrug our shoulders and be like, oh, well, it's Oregon State's offense. What are you going to do? Like, I I don't really want to, I I don't want to live in that world. Um, (laughs) that, that, That might be my breaking point as a Cal fan, but I mean, You know, I guess we'll see next week, but I mean, Stanford did put up 400 yards against Oregon with their backup quarterback. Um, You know, I I think we're giving them a little too much back, and we'll see on Saturday, but that's just my personal take. Football is back in full swing. Kind of, not really, mainly not. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Can we, and I ask you this, Rob, can we please see if Bet Online has odds on whether or not the game this week will be canceled due to COVID? We'll see. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. 